you. This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Welcome to this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. My name is Doug Parker. We're going to go back to the eh, early 50s this week. Talk about the SS United States. It's a retired ocean liner that is currently in Philadelphia. In fact, I was actually... This was like an interest project for me because I was at the, what's the place with the meatballs? Ikea. I was in Ikea and I was walking out of the store and across the parking lot was this massive ship and it looked like, like a ghost ship. Turns out it's the SS United States. I should have known more about it. I've heard of the ship in the past because Crystal Cruises was going to buy it at some point and years ago, NCL was going to try to buy it and refurbish it. None of that actually went through, but uh, it's sitting at Pier 82. So I called the SS United States Conservancy and I got a hold of Susan Gibbs. Turns out her she's the executive director and her grandfather was the architect of the ship. So some cool, some cool history here. And uh, if you're a ship geek like myself, you'll really enjoy this interview. And if you're not, maybe you'll learn something. So here's the interview I did with Susan. Hey there. So there's a lot of ground to cover today. So we'll jump right in here. And for context, talk to us a little about the history of the SS United States. Sure. The SS United States, or America's flagship, uh, smashed the transatlantic speed record on her maiden voyage in 1952. And uh, I would argue she's the greatest ship still still afloat, certainly, certainly carrying the American flag. You mentioned she beat the transatlantic speed record. How fast did she make it from Europe to the U.S.? Uh, she blasted across the sea in three and a half days, and uh, she tranced the Queen Mary that has been uh, nicely restored as a stationary attraction in Long Beach, California. So we would argue that it's high time to to bring our, our American speed queen back. And I would imagine what also makes the SS United States so special, among so many other things, is that she was constructed 100% in the United States. That is that is true, and and of course, you know, rather than a kind of cruise ship, as as your listeners probably imagine, she she came online back when ocean liners really were were the mode of transportation that connected, uh, you know, those of us here in the U.S. to the rest of the world. So really, you know, meant designed for speed, for for strength, where you know, she, the ship uh, sailed back and forth across the Atlantic. Uh, throughout the year, so uh, needed to deal with hurricanes in January and that kind of thing. So, so she was uh, built for, for safety and speed and, uh, and, and uh, never had a technical mishap. And so she, uh, yeah, as we say, kind of the, the most famous ship that didn't sink. And this is super cool. Your grandfather was the designer and naval architect of the SS United States. And you kind of went into a couple of, th of these already. But what makes this ship really stand out against other liners of, the, of its time? Yeah, so, so part of it was just the speed, uh, 240,000 shaft horsepower, uh, you know, packed into her double strength steel hull. So, uh, so part of it was just yeah, built for speed, the fastest ocean liner ever, still holds the holds the transatlantic speed record. She was a convertible troop ship, so was a really a Cold War weapon designed to transport troops should the need have arisen, which thankfully it did not. So, uh, and so part of the formula for her speed was also her mode of construction. So she 
was she full of aluminum. She was the largest uh, structure ever. She had had the most aluminum of any structure until the erection of the World Trade Center towers. And that, of course, contributed to her amazing speed because she was lightweight with with. uh, um, But then, you know, design innovations galore from her four and five bladed propeller combinations to the modern amenities that she she had in 1952 from the first dimmer switch to the first air conditioned vessel and she just epitomized kind of post-war technological innovation modern you know modernization and speed and safety and was just as well as as kind of the american our country you know kind of yeah. uh, post-war uh, um, kind of triumphal role on the world stage. Was this a military project? It was a kind of an, one of the original public-private partnerships. So had, she had a huge, you know, substantial subsidy from the U.S. government and was a top-secret naval project, but was also a commercial uh, enterprise with United States lines. So again, probably I haven't done my full homework, but I think one of you know a, a very early public-private partnership that really worked very well for, for both sides. And why would she, was she top secret because she could be converted to haul troops? Uh, well, just the, her, her uh, features were top secret. So, uh, you know, so top secret that, that uh, um, you know, nobody, just the, the nature of her propulsion system and her design, uh, you know, really was very innovative and, there was no interest in the part of the U.S. government to let our other countries in on on her technological advances. Is all that information unclassified now? Now, now it is, but mm. but during the ship's service career, literally they wouldn't even show plastic models or wooden models of the ship below the waterline because even the shape of her hull was classified. Wow. So it was hush hush. I mean, my I, there's stories about how my grandfather would send telegrams to Newport News shipyard officials who were overseeing her construction. The telegraphs, the telegrams would have reached their homes at midnight, you know, just, just to kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, kind of, uh, you know, scare them and to, or, or just make the point clear that this was a top secret project and that confidentiality was absolutely essential. You know, the whole reason why I reached out to you, Susan, for this interview is because I saw the ship in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, and it broke my heart seeing it floating there. Is it the reason why it's still intact and still, you know, the integrity of the hull is still there is because it was built as a classified vessel back then, and it's really, really strong? Yeah, there are two reasons. Part of it was the the way she was made, as you just indicated, and, you know, just incredible craftsmanship and the strength of her hull. She was so overbuilt to begin with. She is an extraordinary uh, just, just extraordinary craftsmanship. And the other reason is that, uh, people from around the country and frankly around the world have rallied to support her. And so the SS United States Conservancy, a national nonprofit preservation organization, uh, has received some, you know, as I was saying, support, uh, from, from so many quarters, uh, to, to sustain her and, uh, and we purchased the vessel back in in 20, uh, 2011. and um, and so so again, it's it's sort of there there those there are two 
two two factors in terms of her her longevity and the fact that she's still with us today. I know over the years, cruise lines have expressed interest in purchasing the SS United States, I believe, NCL and Crystal come to mind. Is it something where if the could someone actually put it back in service today or would it be more of like a Queen Mary over in Long Beach as a floating hotel slash museum? Yeah, currently, you know, as you indicated, in, um, well, first of all, she was decommissioned back in 1969 and like mm. a cat with nine lives, she's had a number of those lives already. There have been various plans for her return to seagoing service. And the most recent being Crystal Cruises uh, looked very closely at bringing her back to sea as a transit, as a, as a really world cruising vessel to harken back to the days of the grand transit liner era. And ultimately concluded that the technical requirements for refurbishing the ship as a uh, contemporary uh, cruise ship with the amenities expected by today's cruise going passengers just was too heavy a lift and including the Celeste uh, safeguards, et cetera, or requirements. So, so we are now uh, most excited about the prospect of the ship being a stationary uh, attraction, uh, uh, you know, docked in one of America's great port cities and uh, as a mixed use event, hotel, hospitality, retail, mixed use uh, uh, attraction that, that uh, can continue to endure and inspire uh, uh, visitors. And of course, with a, a museum on board that would uh, showcase the ship's history and American maritime history in general. Uh, so, so that's what we are, we are focusing our efforts on at, at present. A couple of months ago, I had the chance to stay on the Queen Mary over in Long Beach after a cruise. And Seeing this ship earlier in the month over in Philadelphia, gosh, I know I keep saying it, but it just really struck a nerve. It was heartbreaking seeing the ship just rusting away over there. I, I mean, I know you really can't look at it like that, but that's what it, it's just, it is what it is. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's also, I feel extraordinary because you can just really see her sculptural beauty. And I encourage mm -hmm. your listeners to visit our website either Google SS United States Conservancy or visit our website at ssusc.org or we have a second site, weareTheUnitedStates.org and there are various photographs of the ship in her current condition in Philadelphia uh, the, showing the vision that you just described as well as photos of the ship during her triumphal days at sea. And and yes, it, it's, it, is, it is heartbreaking to see the, the faded paints and to to see her looking kind of abandoned in a warehouse district. And, uh, but on the other hand, it, you know, she, you just, I, at least when I see the ship and kind of held down with the bright blue lines and I just, you can see just the form of her hull and how she was built to race across the Atlantic. And I, I get the sense that she's just like ready to bust a move yeah. <laughs> and still has just such energy and beauty and, uh, great. And, and so, uh, so I'm, I, I, uh, but I agree with you that it is extraordinary to, to see this almost a thousand foot long ocean liner, you know, just, just kind of patiently waiting for resurrection 
in uh, off of Columbus Boulevard in Philadelphia. You mentioned that it was um, designed for troops, but it never had to carry them. How many troops could it hold at one time? Oh, a full division of troops. So between, I've heard, both either 14,000 or, or 15,000. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a, could pack them in and she could travel 10,000 miles without refueling. So she was really, really built, uh, again, really envisaged as a national defense asset. 15,000 people. You know, that's crazy because it reminds me of like when people complain about 5,000 people being a lot on a 225,000 ton ship. Imagine 15,000 people on a 53,000 ton ship. Couldn't even imagine. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen plans where, you know, the, the first class state rooms would have been kind of broken down and they, they you know, in, in the event of a, a troop ship scenario, they were you know, they were going to install bunks and barber shops, and you know, it was it was quite something what what they would have done to to make to achieve the conversion. But they had it all mapped out, and they would have done it very quickly. And she was you know ready ready to serve in that role had 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 the need arisen. In Manhattan today, there's a building that says United States Lines, kind of by the cruise terminals. Is that where the SS United States used to dock? The ship used to dock at, at Pier 86, which is right near where the Intrepid currently is docked. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so that was that was her original pier, which, as you know, was really when you see the old photos of, of just liner after liner docked side by side on, you know, on the west side. It's really just such a stunning, yeah. stunning sight. What kind of timeline does the SS United States have in Philly? Because, I mean, like, you know, nothing lasts forever, especially when salt water is involved. Right. So we're fortunate that the Delaware River has some somewhat brackish. And so it's actually been pretty optimal conditions for mm. oh, good. for uh, her whole preservation. So she could theoretically stay there for some time. But of course, there are expenses associated with keeping her docked there, you know, insurance and peer rental and caretaking, etc. So so that is uh, that's been a, an ongoing uh, challenge for the Conservancy to to uh, continue to, to support her uh, her carrying costs, but but in December we were elated to enter into an option agreement with a prominent commercial real estate firm based in New York named RXR Realty, and so they are currently uh, evaluating the potential of the vessel to be uh, restored as a mixed use stationary. Attraction, and so you know we're very uh, hopeful that these plans continue to advance. Uh, there are a number of challenges that still need to be overcome, and uh, but uh, and but they during their the, this feasibility study phase, they are assisting with the vessels carrying costs. So so yeah, so we are we are hopeful. Uh, she certainly we feel like she is a real at at being saved and which would uh, fulfill the dreams that many of us have had for a number of years now that, you know, we just feel like it would be a total travesty for uh, this extraordinary, unique, all-American vessel to to be, be scrapped. If you were to walk on the SS United States today, what would it be like? I know that a lot of it was kind of taken out and it's more of a hollow shell. Is the swimming pool still there and things that were around when the ship was in service? 
Yeah, it's somewhere in between. Okay. Uh, so a number of the interiors uh, were, well, first of all, there was a, a, a previous owner back in the 80s uh, kind of sold off um, most of the interior fittings to raise funds for an attempted uh, restoration. Then the ship, because the other piece I didn't mention earlier, uh, you know, for the the ship was deemed kind of invincible and particularly fireproof, and so the ship had a large quantity of asbestos uh, in the interior dividing walls. Again, for her kind of top secret uh, defense mission. Mm-hmm. And so that all of the asbestos was removed again decades prior by a previous owner of the vessel. And so the, the good news is that the asbestos has all been removed since, of course, that is not what one wants to be dealing with. Um, but that, that is also why a number of the, inter- you know, it, where it does have a more open, it's been really stripped to the bulkheads in some cases. That said, when you wander, you know, when you visit the ship, you, there are, you know, there's, there, there's still the original flooring and the aluminum uh, uh, railings on the stairs, the swimming pool, you can still visit it. And because it was a transatlantic liner, the swimming pool was located in a lower interior, lower deck, because as you're, you know, going across the Atlantic yeah. in January with, uh, you know, you weren't exactly lolling in the sunshine uh, in the Caribbean Sea. So, Anyway, it, it's so it's 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 really quite an extraordinary experience to to wander the decks of the ship in her current condition because it's uh, uh, it's almost mystical uh, and you really kind of get the sense the, the memories are are there but the, the the specifics and the details have have faded. If someone wants to help or get involved with saving the SS United States, how could they do that? Yeah, we would love to hear from from anyone and everyone who is interested in helping us save this extraordinary visit. Our website at ssusc.org or just Google SS United States Conservancy. And that uh, will provide a, a lot of information about the local chapters, how to get involved, how to become a member. We're so eager to hear from anyone who has had personal experiences, who may have traveled aboard the ship Back during her service career, where we have a whole oral history program, we are building a an amazing collection of items from the ship for the future shipboard museum. And yeah, so so the first step is just to to make contact with our team at the conservancy, and we will we would just be delighted to hear from anyone who is who is interested. Through the years, while the ships was you know sold from one one group to another, um, are there any artifacts around anywhere? Yeah, I have a, we have a, 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 a growing and amazing collection of artifacts. Uh, but yes, they they were really kind of scattered, scattered, <laughs> uh, you know, throughout the nation and indeed the world. Um, so so that is a, a a project that we are, for example, uh, you know, we have we have reassembled most of the original items that were in the captain's quarters stateroom, most of the furniture, the safe. Even the, the the uniform of one of the relieving captains, and we are we're we're chipping away and 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 acquiring a number of the great pieces. That there were uh, uh, a number of uh, amazing pieces of artwork that were commissioned for the ship's public rooms. We're also uh, amassing passenger lists and crew lists for all the voyages, and of course, collecting uh, uh, you know photographs and film. Uh, so. You know, from from the ship, and 
it's it's uh, you know really the ship is a kind of microcosm of American history during yeah. during that time. So so yes, we are deeply committed to to our curatorial collections. We've been talking with Susan Gibbs. She's the executive director of the SS United States Conservancy, and we'll also link to the Conservancy website in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Susan, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your interest in the SS United States. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. 